And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod, post-July 4th. Happy belated Independence Day, America. Fuck yeah, America. Firearms, hamburgers. Hope you guys all enjoyed uh, this great country, beauty, and, you know, some of the things that make it so great. We're back. I'm with Tammy Gorman. We're going to be talking about, you know, catching up on the NBA because it's been a while since we've done a podcast. Been been a very long time. NBA finals are set. The Phillies ha- are showing some signs. They're kind. They're still middling, middle of the pack, but they're they're showing some signs from this past weekend. And we're actually going to be talking about more soccer, surprisingly, because now with the Euros, I'm a big soccer fan now. So I'm a big soccer guy, uh, and we're going to be covering all that now that the Euro semifinals are set. And we're going to be giving our predictions over who's going to advance and who could possibly win the whole tournament. So should be a good podcast. Be sure to uh, rate us five stars on all the podcast platforms. Check out our website, www.bnb, the letters BNB, podpod.org. Got some good articles there too. And uh, yeah, so we'll just jump right into it. First, we're going to start with the Phillies because with the Sixers losing, and I know we didn't cover that, but we're just going to, we're just going to gloss over that. Act like um, it never happened. Yeah, and after I wiped the tears from my eyes. Uh, Phillies, currently three games below 500, if you haven't been paying attention. 39-42 and 42 record. Coming off a series win against the Padres, which I, no one really expected, I think. Zach Wheeler and JT Muto were selected as MLB All-Stars. Uh, and currently, they're four and a half games behind the Mets uh, for first place as of recording this on Monday, July 5th. So not too bad like it could be worse considering it felt like they were going into a tailspin a little bit and coming into this series against the Padres I was like they're done they're done just go move past the all-star break and let's hope that somehow some way they make a huge run and that they go on this incredible string of games that they can somehow claw their way back in and now coming into this Padres series and post Padres series they they take the first two wins that second game Ranger Suarez man he looked like he could take the, the closer role. And I was really impressed from what I saw, especially top of the ninth. He has to go through Fernando Tatis Jr., um, Cronenworth, and Machado, which is like the heart of the Padres lineup. And he gets it done, one, two, three inning. I'm impressed. I think this is these are positive signs for the team moving forward. And it can only, if they can finish out these next two series strong, they got a four-game series against the Cubs coming up, and then they go to Boston for a three-game series to finish out the first half of their season. I think they could squeak out a couple of series wins to finish off this first half of the season, finish above 500, get back into the divisional race, and see where things go from there and just kind of carry that positive momentum into the break at the halfway point in the season. Timmy, you wanted to rant about this a, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago. What are you seeing from this team? Do you think that they could somehow make a first half, like second half push to get back into the divisional race? I think there's two games against the Cubs. No, it's four. Four. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, why is there this random ass two game series? Uh, so I don't know. I don't want to get excited because every time I get like happy about this club, it's <laughs> like one down. step forward, three steps backwards or whatever. And, um, like, well, I don't know. It was about Wednesday or Thursday. I texted you, and I'm just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, just like, what? what is the – like, we're wasting all this goddamn money on, like, nothing. Like, Hoskins is goes, like, one for like one for 30, and then he hits, like, five home runs in two days, and everyone's like, oh, Reese is catching fire. It's like, no, he's just doing what Reese Hoskins does. He's a 260 hitter. Like, and at this point, it's like, 
how is he any better than what Darren Ruff was providing us like five years ago? And now look at Darren Ruff. He's hitting like Darren 318. Darren Ruff for, is a name I haven't heard in a minute. Holy well, he's shit. Like, he's hitting like 300 for the, for the fucking Giants and Gabe Kapler. And it's like, oh, so Gabe Kapler is getting a over-the-hill Giants team to contend. They're leading the NL West with two all-star rosters and the Dodgers and the Padres, and they're in first place. The Giants are. Why the hell couldn't you perform some miracle like that with us? Like, what is he doing over there? I, so then you I think go, all right, well, maybe it wasn't Kapler. Maybe it's internal, and there's something wrong with the clubhouse. There's not enough leadership. And it's like, clearly, you know, we all thought Girardi was going to be a fix. That hasn't proven anything. He's made some mind-boggling decisions. Yeah, Ranger Suarez has looked okay, but it's like, what did they give Archie Bradley that money for? Why well, I thought he was supposed to be the closer. That's and, what I thought, too. You know, when they named Neris the closer, again, I in the beginning of the season, I didn't even take them out. I literally was just asking why. Like, why do they consider – like, why are they so hell-bent on making this guy work? You know, it's it's just like he doesn't he doesn't get it done, okay? And they they just have to give up on him being the closer. Maybe he's an eighth inning guy. Maybe he's a seventh inning guy. You know, once they figured that out with Ryan Madsen all those years ago that he wasn't the closer, but he's a shutdown guy in the seventh and eighth innings, it changed the whole dynamic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, and we. I don't know. So uh, the weekend series win is a, is a positive, you know, like, of course I got excited yesterday. I'm like, Oh, they won two games against the Padres. You know, what if they could take a sweep here? It could really give them momentum. And then yeah. they turn the game on and they're losing five, nothing in the bottom of the fourth. I'm like, never mind. Uh, so the most, the, the greatest catcher in baseball, you know, for what it's worth, I watch him strike out and it's just, uh, I don't know. There's, like I said, one step forward, three steps backwards or whatever you want to say. I, you know, but then there are the positives you can look at. Like there are two games from the Padres and, you know, they lost the smell, but really it was because the one, you know, the pitcher we expect to implode and Vince Velasquez finally imploded after having like two months of good starts. Yeah. Uh, we beat Darvish who's seven and two with like a two. something. he's like, gotta be one of the front runners for the Cy Young at this point. Right. Oh, yeah. And they beat, um, I mean, the Padres rotation is a great rotation to begin with. They don't even have Clevenger yet, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and and uh, Snell was fresh off the IL that game on, on Sunday. And I think a couple of good points that you hit on was just giving up on Hector Neris. And, like, you, you need to contend now. You you signed JT, you signed Bryce and everything like that. But Didi's just came back. He's only signed for this year and next year. Gene Segura, how much high-end production are you really going to get out of him? He's been injured throughout this year. Um, yeah, but when not injured, he's been one of our best performers. Yeah. Unfortunately, he just can't stay healthy. Exactly. And, like, <laughs> the only argument I can see, like, of the organization trying to maintain this rotation is just consistency, and they don't want to constantly experiment and kind of leave people, players, wondering, when am I going to pitch? When am I going to start getting my innings in? And I kind of understand the perspective, but when you need to win now, it's almost everything needs to go out the window and you need to try something new. Like throw and in the, the Dombrowski hire. You don't hire Dave Dombrowski because yeah. you want to like have a patient and give all that money to JT and Bryce. Like you said, like yeah. Dombrowski throughout his career has won by just like going all in and, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever we have left as top prospects are not 
in our farm they're not, system they're not come July. Enticing. And I don't know if that's a good idea. Or not July. It is already July, but yeah. I don't know if that's a good idea though. Like why? Like what what are we doing? Like unless you're unless he's going and getting two top of the line starters or two mid line starters that are gonna help. Yeah, you you need rotation. you need you need a quality starter that you know is gonna be worth giving up the farm or giving up two high end prospects right. when you don't really have that. Like imagine I know he was involved in the JT trade, so it's kind of hard to like, you know, picture the scenario, but keep Sixto Sanchez, like what he could have done for this rotation. Now, granted, you're likely subtracting JT from the lineup, so God knows how that works out. But just they had a guy like Sixto Sanchez, and they just haven't been able for some reason to acquire high-end pitching prospects for whatever reason. And that's that's showing. That's showing. Right. Like Spencer Howard hasn't panned out, and he was Spencer. supposed to be like the next one. And you know, like yeah, it's it's the bullpen needs help. You need at least two to three arms in that bullpen now to like help sort out the rest so people are in their right positions. And you need, without a doubt, at least one. If definitely two, you need two, but you can you can suffice with one starter that helps like make Eflin the four and Nola the two or three, depending on who you bought, you would get. The problem is that in my opinion, probably means like you're getting rid of Spencer Tower. If anybody still wants him, mm. you're probably getting rid of, uh, what's his name? The, um, kid in double a, the shortstop. Oh, uh, I completely blank on his name. Bryson yeah. or, uh, what, uh, yeah, you're, you're most likely cause he's probably our best, hitting prospect that we have right now that we might have unless somebody wants Moniac, which if they do fucking take them, I don't care. Like that was the waste <laughs> of a number one pick. Um, of course the one year that we get the number one pick, there's nobody there to take. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, what even is left in the, uh, in the, in the minors outside of low end, like hot, you know what I mean? Like, Young, so, 18 to 22 year old. So I'm, I'm looking at philliesnation.com. Just did a quick Google search, Philly's top prospects or whatever. Okay. Um, and this guy, uh, Ty Daubert, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, wrote this in March. So like a little bit before the season started, he ranked Spencer <laughs> Howard number one in the top prospects. Then it's. Which um, shows you where we're at. Yeah. Mick Abel, right-handed pitcher. Oh, um, Bryson Stott, shortstop. I think that's who you're talking about. So I'm talking about the kid from UNLV, yeah. Yeah, and he's had a lot of comparisons to like a mix of like Brandon Crawford and JJ Hardy. So we'll see if they ever call him up. Which is midway. bad. I mean, well, not the Crawford one because Crawford, yeah, I was going to say Crawford got three World Series titles and he was a great defensive. And he he's one of those guys. He was like a he's like a shortstop version of Yadier Molina, where it was all defense. And then he learned to hit throughout his career. Exactly. And I don't. I think that's something that this team could could need, what, wherever in the field, wherever you could plug them in. I mean, Francisco Morales, another one who's named number four, and then Rafael Marcan, Martian, Martian, Martian. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce, but he's the catcher that, yeah. Yeah, who's seen minimal. I mean, it's pot like I, I, you know, but catchers are like tight ends in football. They take forever to, like, it's like yeah. one, it's the no, hardest you, position to learn. Yeah, you need time to develop, and like they need to figure out some moves. Who knows with the, this Trevor Bauer situation with the sexual assault allegations, how that's going to shake out in Los Angeles? And 
So who, what, like what type of names are going to be on the market, on the trade block? Who can they pick up on the waiver wire? This is really going to be time to figure out this all-star break. Like who can we get, who can we bring up that can make an impact? And because we, the Phillies do not have time to really develop these young pitchers, especially a guy like Brogdon who showed some flashes. Um, like they, there's just been such a weird rotation in carousel that there's been no real consistency established. And mm-hmm. they tried that with Hector Neris. That clearly is not working. He he's clearly the Phillies. Time. He's clearly the Aroldis Chapman of the Phillies. And they just need to. De- they you cannot tell me that you cannot get a high quality starter for like something relatively cheap or attach a couple of prospects. Like I looked up the Roy Halladay trade. The Roy Halladay trade was not that expensive. It was Roy Halladay at to the, the time. It was at the time. At it, the was. Time yeah. it was. Yeah, time it was. Yeah, true. We got rid of Cliff Lee. Um, not what this website says. This website said it was, um, it was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I, it was like a three team trade in yeah, yeah, all the moving forward. At the time we gave up like big prospects. It's just none of the prospects panned out. Yeah, no, that's true. But it's like, it's like a Dre, three, was, who was it? Drayback? It was, um, yeah. Kyle Drayback, Michael Taylor, Travis Darnell were involved. Cliff Lee went to Seattle. Juan Ramirez was involved in this trade. Um, Tyson Gillies and some other prospects. But my point is, is like they can still, you don't have to mortgage the farm. Like there's going to be one team out there that's going to be willing to give up something because these GMs buy into these prospects so much that they, that they lose sight of who they have. And I think the Phillies can take advantage of that. They got to make something to give this team some hope that the squad they have right now isn't going to cut it come on September or October when you need some reliable pitching. So that uh, yeah, it's and it's but you need some more consistency from the lineup. Wouldn't you wouldn't you think too Matt? That's oh, what I'm saying. Like yeah people might be like, oh he's an all-star, but I don't know. Like I just for what I thought we were gonna get with JT, it's like the best catcher in baseball is a 270 hitter. No. Like when Buster Posey was the yeah. best catcher in baseball, the same with Yadier, he was they were hitting like 315, 320, like and playing gold glove defense. And it's like, even the defense apart, like, I feel like I don't, you know, sometimes I don't know who calls the games. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the, 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 like, you know, in college where sometimes the pitching coach has the involvement, but mm-hmm. it's like, I, I, you know, like there's like sometimes just watching like Nola starts and everyone wants to dog Nola. And it's like, yeah, he hasn't been, he had that one year where he was like 18 and three or whatever and was phenomenal in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And he's never lived back up to that. But you can say a lot of that has to come with defense, like not having any run support and, you know, just, you know, mental lapses. He clearly, like, I don't know, like I look at it this way. If you are good enough to have a season like that, it means you have something in your arsenal to be that good. Yeah. So it's still there. You just have to go back and look at what made you that good and, you know, recraft that, that, that stuff. The, the scary the, the scary part is that with JT, like I'm looking at his career averages right about now. His batting average <laughs> outside of 2016 when he hit 303, he it's been slowly declining. It's been yeah, it's never been like above 280. Yeah, it's really strange. And but he still like last year there were still moments where it went beyond the box score and he provided a key home run or a key base hit that got a runner in scoring position that 
he just I, I, there needs like we've talked about they need more depth I mean, they, they need more to the lineup zach wheeler is in the nl cy young running in my opinion if he's not he's something phenomenal. is wrong with that he's been absolutely fantastic and again nola needs to get more consistent i think he showed that more over his last couple of starts what, Just, what are wheeler's stats by the way uh I because they should up. be better it's a it's just that he goes out and does shit like he did on Friday where he throws like seven, eight innings of dominant baseball, like no runs, has like 10 Ks, and then fucking the bullpen blows a three-run lead. So um, right now he's in 114 innings pitched. He's got a 205 ERA, which is sixth in the um, in the league. Right, He's, that would look great if people like what's his name, Degrom didn't exist. Oh yeah, oh my God, Jacob Degrom's giving up like he's doing like prime Clayton Kershaw numbers. It's, He's it's, no, you know what he looks like right now? He looks like prime ninety nine to oh two or oh two Martin Pedro Martinez. Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly what he looks it's like. Terrifying. like. When Pedro was absolutely, I mean, you weren't born yet, but I'm telling you, like it's that version of Thank Pedro is on unbelievably scary yeah and the sad the sad part is is that Degrom may never win a world series with the Mets I mean I know they, they got Lindor but yeah like, remember like 2015 when they had like Syndergaard Degrom well, Syndergaard can't stay healthy yeah no but that's unfortunately that's just the way baseball works sometimes where injuries just compound and then your your window may already be closing very soon and right. a guy like I mean, De- in that Sorry. rotation, no, that's my fault. You were going on with that rotation. It was, like you said, what? Syndergaard, Degrom, Harvey was part of that. Yeah, rotation. Harvey. Harvey was pitching lights out. Um, wasn't Wheeler in there already, or was he not healthy that year? I don't. He wasn't healthy. No, he wasn't yeah. healthy. He was yeah. still coming off of Tommy John. But they had they had a fourth guy too. Who was the? He's not on the team anymore. Um, Hold on, I'll, I'll look it up. Because but, they had basically like four guys that get top 300 or something, or 100 miles per hour. Uh, like four flamethrowers. Yeah, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Matt's starting pitching. So Syndergaard, Noah Syndergaard. Um, where is it? Why can't I just find this? Wasn't that was Steven Matz on that team? Yes, that's it, Matt. I think he was. Yeah, so it was Syndergaard, DeGrom, Matz. Harvey. Harvey. And then Wheeler kind of filled that out, but he was struggling. He was um, he wasn't yeah, I don't think he pitched in the in the postseason because he they either shut him down or he got injured again. Yeah, so either way, like the the Phillies just haven't had that pitching depth and, ro- and t- that type of rotation for so long. And it kind of begs the question, like, I know Steve Cohen has, you know, gone all in on the Mets and said, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to win a World Series with the Mets. But is there a situation where DeGrom, just because he hasn't won enough in his career, that he forces his way out of New York? Like, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. No, no, it's, it shouldn't. And, you know, I I don't know. I think this is all I think he clearly waits it out this year, probably. Yeah. And, you know, depending on how they finish this year, maybe he goes to them and, shit, and, they, and they think, hey, would we be better off just trading Jacob DeGrom and getting seeing what we can get back? I mean, he's the best pitcher in baseball. There's yeah, nothing you sure. can – I don't care what 
you know, whether or not Trevor Bauer is being a scumbag and choking out girls or not, like that they're like with the, he's not in the conversation. Fuck Garrett Cole. Like it's Jacob DeGrom been on the downhill for a is the of best years. pitcher in baseball without a doubt, hands down. You, you know, you, you, in the, the hypothetical Bill Simmons scenario where it's like if you had aliens come and they said they wanted to play a sport, you know, usually he says basketball, you pick your best team. For this, it's like they decide they want to play baseball. You're giving Jacob DeGrom the ball yeah. to go out there and throw a perfect game for you, you know? For sure. And I, I just, just – just to kind of throw this out there, his, his contract is kind of interesting because next year it's – He's paid 2022. 20, he's getting 33.5 million. Then 2023, he's got a player option for 30 and a half, which I'm sure he's going to pick up. Then in, then in 2024, he there's a club option, which I'm sure they'll try and pick up. And then he right. becomes an unrestricted free agent at the age of 37. So, like, it's not ridiculous to see the idea of Mets either don't make the playoffs the next couple of years or they get bounced out early. And Steve Cohen and his mad new owner craziness decides we need something new. We need something fresh. And DeGrom leaves or gets traded. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. And the Mets just try and revamp that starting rotation. So, well, he's, he's definitely a, I think. So Lindor was like his, like, like his Steve Ballmer move with like Paul, with Paul George. Yeah. And definitely. what's his name? I wouldn't put it past them at this trade deadline if they have one more thing up their sleeve. I don't know what prospects they have left, but like as a Phillies fan, looking at that Mets lineup and what they have, like, uh, you know, like I, I might honestly trade five of their position players for ours, you know, like yeah. I, you know, who are you keeping? Like I, I keep, I keep guy that's unt- uh, The only I, two guys that are untouchable <laughs> are Romuto and Harper. Like I, as much as I love Didi, he just came back. Gene Segura has been in and out of the lineup. Nick Maton, like really, like I, I love Nick Maton, but he's still really young. Right. Um, Alec Bohm just looks throughout the season. He's just had stretches where he looks yeah, like. Yeah, but the, I'm not giving up on him. He's he's 24. Not, no, I love Alec Bohm. He's got okay. It. Charlie, I, Charlie, when when Uncle Charlie gives your stamp, his stamp of approval, I believe in it when it fair. comes to him. No, that's that's fair. That's sophomore fair. slump. Um, it's okay. You know, it's he's he's young. You know, unlike it's only a second. It's not like, and last year wasn't even a full year for him too. Yeah. So it's like he's he still technically hasn't played a full season of baseball. I guess now he has, but you know, no, I'm not giving up. If, if fucking Reese Hoskins could get all this time. True. You know, and he didn't even hit 300 his first full year like Bomb Boom did. You know, like so. No, I no, I'm not giving up an Alex. Okay, Bond. so we'll add we'll add Boom to the untouchables list. And McCutcheon clearly doesn't look like the McCutcheon from last year or two years ago. And yeah, he's you know he's got one solid year of production left. That's about it. Unfortunately, and I just hope, yeah, I just want him. I just prime. want him to get a World Series soon because he he deserves it. And <clears throat> he's just one oh, of those absolutely. athletes that absolutely that deserves it. He was one um, of the great players of the early 2000s or the early aughts. Yeah, he was. He was so much fun to watch in the pirate. That he was. Pirates he was teams. a beacon of hope for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right. Like, that's that, all you need to know. That's <laughs> insane. Um, but I, yeah, Philly's got to make some moves, pick up someone, like anyone. Just give any type of hope to say, oh, this guy can turn it around, or we got a huge arm coming in. 
that can really add a shot to the, like, bring, fuck it. Bring back Pat Neshek. I don't care. Just do that. At least I'll, I'll right. be entertained by Pat Neshek of all people, but they got to do something either way. We're, we're in agreement. They got to make some moves. Um, well, let's move on. We got oh, some hold other... on real quick. I will yeah, say yeah, yeah. that's the, my thought was, and here's my positive thought is that the year that the two years that they won the world series and went to the playoffs and or obviously there was a five year stretch there, but I, in the, the year that they won the, won the world series, they were like 51 and 50 at the play at the all-star break. Mm-hmm. And I remember even uh, in like August of that year, I went back to school and we were sitting there like watching the, like a, it was like a Saturday afternoon game on Fox and we're watching yeah. it. And like me and a couple of my buddies, like having like a couple of beers, like watching it. And we're just like, dude, we're not even going to make the fucking playoffs again. What the fuck? It was like last yeah. year in aberration. And we won the world series. So three games under 500 is nothing. Like you said, they got seven games left before the all-star break. Yeah. You know, this is, it's, this is, it's not, you know, uh, you know, not up time, but it, it's getting close to it. And so uh, the, the, this, the Cubs and the Red Sox, especially uh, it's, it's going to be very telling how they do this. You know, um, if they come out of that Red Sox series and they just get absolutely smashed for three games. Yeah. I think I, it might just be time to give up. The no, problem true. is Dombrowski isn't going to give up and he's going to just do everything he can. So, but, but Hey, maybe he, that's what they need. Maybe that's what they need. He pulls off a big trade and they something, need something happens. They need, they need a, an injection of new life. They need a personality in that because clearly the Hoskins Harper, like leadership thing isn't yeah. working. Yeah. And so in the NL East it's up for grabs. So it's, we got, they got to, they got to take, they got to take, you know, the bull by the horns and um, these seven games will be very telling, but you know, also it's like, we can't give up, but if they, if they go one and six, I think we can, but um, it, it, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be really weird. Um, but this is this, this break is really going to be an evaluation point or it should be for the front office to say, who, who can we move? Who can we, you know, get something good? Who can we acquire that can really add and complete the bullpen or the starting rotation to complement Eflin, take the pressure off from Nola, and maybe even give some of the, the other younger guys on the roster someone to look up to and learn from. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and again, they got four games at Chicago and then three games in Boston uh, to finish out uh, the first half of the season. So We'll see how this first half shakes out, but we got some NBA to cover Bucks and Suns. Who would have thought in 2021, the Milwaukee Bucks would be facing the, the Phoenix Suns in the NBA finals for the championship series starts Tuesday night in Phoenix. Giannis's uh, injury status is day to day, according to coach Mike Budenholzer. Um, so we're going to see Giannis's status is still kind of up in the air. We're going to see if he takes a court and how healthy he's going to be if he does. But in the meantime, Bucks closed out the Atlanta Hawks in game seven or game six, not seven, 118 to 107. No Giannis, Chris Middleton with 23 points in the third quarter, 32 points overall, four rebounds, seven assists, three steals. He was all over the floor. Brooke Lopez, of all people, is really shining in these last couple of games, 13 points in game six five for nine shooting really efficient and plus 25 and whether you buy into plus minus or not he's still plus 25 in the box score Trey Young comes back from his ankle injury 
clearly doesn't look the same. Uh, 14 points on four for 17 shooting. Uh, and Cam Reddish really showed out. This was like his coming out party. He scored 21 points, seven, tw- seven of 12 from the floor. It's a Norristown native and product. Um, so a magical run for the Hawks, whether we want to admit it or not as Sixers fans, this was a great run for them. Um, <laughs> and as Timmy like points the thumbs down, uh, that's not the, the official Philly greeting is a, is a middle finger, the double birds, but right. Um, whether we want to admit it or not, this was a, this was an incredible run to see. And now it's a matter of do the Hawks sign John Collins? What are they going to do with Nate McMillan? All this other type of stuff. But let's stay focused on the NBA Finals. Milwaukee showed out. They they really impressed me. Chris Middleton looked like he's a guy that can be the second fiddle and the number one guy in the crunch time in multiple spots in the series. He just looked fantastic. But Phoenix, Phoenix is looking like a different beast. Chris Paul is smelling blood in the water. Like there's no way in hell that Chris Paul, who is one of the most competitive guys in the NBA is going to lose his first ever NBA finals. I just don't see it happening. Um, But yeah, I mean, Timmy, are you running for the Suns, Bucks? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, Suns 100%. I've been on the Suns bandwagon since the first round. Um, You know, whatever. I'll hop on there. I'll admit it, you know, just riding the glory. Um, The Chris Paul renaissance has been so much fun to watch um, throughout his career. He's kind of been a guy that I liked. And then those Clippers runs, he just became so goddamn fucking annoying with the whining yeah. and shit. Um, then he was teamed up with Harden and we all know my stance on that piece of shit. So, um, uh, you know, so, but these last two years, it's been a really cool, like, and I think we talked about this too. It's in just a cool renaissance where his career has taken like a different, different uh, arc of he's the wise old veteran that is teaching yeah. these young teams how to win. And this Suns team is fun, man. You know, Devin Booker, he's made, he's made Devin Booker an elite player in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before this year, he was widely considered good stats, bad team guy. Um, so that's been, that's been fun to watch, you know, DeAndre Ayton's taking it up another level in these playoffs. There was always that question of why would they take him number one with Luca there? But I think this is the perf, you know, this is the perfect compliment. They needed DeAndre Ayton in this team, whereas Luca and Devin Booker together, you know, and if they did that, why would they have needed Chris Paul this offseason? You know, yeah. so they you could say now it's like that DeAndre Ayton pick is the reason they're in the finals, mm. you know, with the domino effect and everything like that. Um and then there's, you know, all the other things, all the other small moves that you do, you look back on. There's a reason James Johnson won executive of the year. Cam Johnson, they took him. A lot of people would say a reach. Maybe it still is kind of a reach. But, you know, he's a veteran guy they took. He's a he's a team player. He was going to buy in from the start. He's a great three-point shooter. We watched him as North Carolina fans. I was always – I always liked him those two years that he was on the Tar Heels. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is a blossoming three and D guy, mm-hmm. uh, a local product Villanova dude who yep. should be a fucking sixer, but we traded him for uh, uh, Peanut Zaire Allen. Zaire Smith. Remember when, Smith. We were, remember when we were rationalizing and justifying? Oh, Zaire Smith, an athletic wing that can really just change you know, the it, game it with this team. Got so bad, we were like, we were doing the 
the shit we do with Ben Simmons, where it's like he's in the gym working on his three point shot. Yeah. And then like Instagram clips were going around of Zaire corner three. We were like, and then he we were like Zaire, Zaire Smith, great product. He's gonna he's gonna really like just be a great complimentary player with Ben and Joel on the wing. It's like oh gee. Like you look, meanwhile, we traded a local kid that's now in the finals, and we couldn't get there. Doesn't right? his mom work for the Sixers? Yeah, and some shit like that too. Yeah, <laughs> or she did, or so. I mean, hey, she um, don't got to work anymore, right? Jay Crowder, another. It was another great veteran pickup for this team. You know, you, yeah. you know, they 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 reinvigorated campaign's career. Um, Monty Monty Williams is finally getting the respect he deserves. Yeah. Um, and they're just a, it's just a fun thing, especially for a franchise that has spent the past 10, 11 years in the wilderness outside of that one random team in, what was it, 2013-14 that had yeah. the Bledsoe, Drogic, Isaiah yeah. Thomas combo that they went, like, they won, like, 49 games, but they still miss out in the playoffs because the West was so incredibly stacked. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, they're, no, they were, like, 48 and 34. So, anyway – and um yeah it, there it's so, you know and especially for a fan base that you know they've been close before with Barkley in the 90s they had some good teams in the early or the late 80s early 90s before Barkley got there they've made the finals before in the 70s they lost to the Celtics in 76 in like six games or the, something was that the Dave Cowens era yeah, that's the yeah, that was like the they lost like a triple overtime game. If they would have won it, that could have like they could have ended up stealing that series or something like that. Um, and you know, it's a fan base that definitely cares about the team, and they've had to deal with a really shitty, uh, you know, stubborn, tight fisted owner and Robert, Robert Sarber, who mm. who just for years cratered the chances that, that those Nash teams had by doing dumb it, shit move after dumb shit move with the trades he's made. To the point to the point where like <clears throat> an old lady at like a town meeting was like calling calling him out right. or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean he like he he was he just kept trading first round pick after first round pick because he didn't want to pay these guys. Didn't want to pay um Joe Johnson. What's his, Joe Johnson, which would have been the perfect complimentary piece did they need it? Like it, it, the, it just goes on and on and on. And so, Simmons so, has covered that in, in yeah. uh, and if you, you if know, check, like, and like Steve Nash has talked about this on like Knuckleheads, mm-hmm. and Joe Johnson talked about it on like all the smoke. Um, so there are interviews there if you want to go check that out a little bit further. But first take question: Is the NBA championship tainted with all these player injuries? No, fuck it. <laughs> Chris Paul, if Chris Paul finally gets his, I don't care. I don't see. Give that's what I think is going to happen. You beat the team that's in front of you. It's not like LeBron never went through a team that wasn't. Okay, that's the case. Then the San Antonio Spurs in twenty and twenty, or the not the Spurs, the Heat in twenty fourteen, because they didn't get the best opponent, which would have been the Thunder, because Kevin Durant got hurt. Yeah. Or Westbrook, Westbrook got hurt. Sorry. Like every year, you can go through and be like, this guy got hurt. This guy got hurt. This guy got you know. And there's reasons why. That the so no, it's you know the Heat were in the fucking finals last year, but no one's ever going to say LeBron's thing should have an asterisk next to it because it's the LeBron media cronies. So no, I don't give a shit if they want to come out and be like, oh well, LeBron had a healthy Anthony Davis. Well, guess what, LeBron, you didn't, and you know what, you fucking quit on your team after five games in that series, and 
a real leader doesn't walk down the tunnel because you're getting shellac with five minutes to go. You yeah. stay on the floor. You shake your, your role players' hands who sat there and took that beating live on national TV, but you didn't. You walked back to the tunnel, and, you know, if somebody else said that and it wasn't LeBron, the first thing all his media buddies would have been done is, LeBron has never done that. And you would have, you would have seen LeBron out there cheering on the role players even in a 30-point loss. Like, so, no, I don't want to hear about the fucking Azures. I don't want to hear about player injuries. No, whoever wins this series deserves it. You know, the Bucks because they got through without their best player. Yeah. And the Suns, because they still got through a loaded West. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not having Kawhi made it a little, made it easier, but the, it's not like, like the Clippers rolled over and died. Yeah. They beat the MVP. Okay. They still beat the MVP. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray wasn't there, but they were playing without Jamal Murray for what? Three months at that point. Yeah, it was like the basically a half or three quarters of the season without Jamal Murray. Exactly. So yes, it hurt, but they still beat the fucking MVP. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the, the this whole stupid ass eh, and the inj- every year there's injuries. All right. Just so happens this year there was a little bit more than many because of the quick turnaround time from what happened last year with the pandemic and the and the stuff and the the bubble. Not, See, I don't, you know, I don't buy into that because. It, between the restart, between the the shutdown of the NBA to the restart, it was what four months. Like I get it, you couldn't go to gyms. Giannis saying he had didn't have access to a hoop. I don't know why people bought that quote. This motherfucker is making what fifty million. Like what? Yeah, like you like, can build a you can build. You, a you mean to tell me Giannis Antetokounmpo house. can't get access to a net? Like through four months, then you play six weeks ish, roughly. And then it's another what? Couple months after that, you mean to tell me you're you're just you're not doing anything? You couldn't you couldn't physically rehab or anything like that? That's ridiculous. I don't buy into that at all. And Shaq made a point, a good point when LeBron. We talked about it last episode where LeBron was talking about, oh, if they listened to me, I'm paraphrasing these tweets, but. He basically said they didn't. The league didn't listen to me when I was talking about player injuries, and now you're mm-hmm. seeing it come up and all it's that. It's an excuse. It's and, and fucking, Shaq, it's Shaq, excuse. like Shaq made a good point, and I'm paraphrasing this quote again, but he basically said like 40 million people have lost jobs in this pandemic, and like I'm I'm making if I'm making 200 million dollars a year or whatever. He said I'm playing back to back to back to back or whatever. Like it, it is, and Stephen A. Smith reacted to the quote and said like it's getting to a point where you can't even analyze basketball anymore because the players are complaining so much and just get so offended by all this shit. And like, you can be pro player, but you still can objectively analyze basketball. And when it gets to the point where a guy like Paul George says that, you know, or guy like DeMarcus Cousins says that Paul George doesn't get enough of his flowers and Russell Westbrook gets upset because Stephen A said he wasn't impressed by his numbers. Russell Westbrook is statistically one of the greatest players to ever play he has done things that no one ever thought he he anyone could ever do in the nba oscar robertson's triple double record was thought to be impossible to break all that shit but you can still be better that still has not translated to wins whether it's through russell westbrook's fault or not it's mm-hmm. still he still has not won a championship yet which is Stephen a's point so it's getting infuriating where these injuries and everything like that are you know, everyone wants to put an asterisk here or look to tear 
down a championship. If CP3 or Giannis win their first championship this year, that should be what these playoffs are known for. This is when Milwaukee finally got over the hump and break almost a 50-year championship drought. This is when Phoenix finally captures its first championship. It shouldn't – injuries happen in the playoffs. What was it? Kevin Garnett said that like you got to be prepared with like a 10 man rotation because, you know, two injuries are going to happen or something like that. Yeah, he said, yeah, on Simmons podcast, because Simmons has always been like you need eight healthy players and Garnett and typically he's like, no, nah, fuck that, man. You need nine. <laughs> <laughs> Garnett is my, the best my Kevin Garnett, dude, he's the best. I love like, awesome. I wish Kevin Garnett could just be like I wish you could watch basketball on cable. Like on like like premier cable, a watch, a watch so you can hear Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Garnett just dropping f bombs left. Like Kevin Garnett and Draymond or something together. Oh my god! Oh it'll my be hilarious. god! That would be great. That would be great. Kevin Garnett and Draymond as and a watch along of the NBA Finals. Right. Kevin but Garnett. no, like you're you're right, man. And like the the it is like they're pampered, and you know who's fault. This is all because of LeBron because he has to control the media. He has to control the narrative. Everything you knew the second he lost. He had seven excuses lined up as to why they didn't beat the Suns. Yeah. And instead of just – and you, you know what's bullshit about it too is because it takes away from the accomplishments of his fellow players. Chris Paul is supposed to be one of his best friends, and he's sitting here and he's like, oh, I told the NBA not to play. And, and you know what that does? It makes it seem like the NBA is the bad guy, and it doesn't give Chris Paul his due. So he's mm-hmm. making one of his best friends who might finally get his first title. Like it's making his accomplishments look – inferior and that's bullshit that's not what a friend does but you know why because lebron's not getting that glory because he's a selfish fuck and he only cares about himself so screw him screw all these pampered assholes that are making all this money and shaq's right 40 million people have lost their job you know what and if you care that much about when when the season started and when not you know what you should really care about is giving back is helping out those 40 million people because you know what helps those, some of those people is going and playing in these arenas so people can have a job like working the concession stand or being a ticket vendor or something or of cleaning, that nature cleaning the arena like sales all that, all all that shit yeah all that shit and that's what you should care more about not whether you know like and i get it, it. your, it's, your, it's your just, health and safety is part of your legacy but it's, it's just it's just like yeah it's it's insane because it's a ridiculous double standard because lebron said that he wasn't going to play like when the pandemic first hit, he was like, I'm not going to play if there are no fans in the arena. And then obviously they play in the bubble. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now I got to take care of my body. Now I got to take care of this. It's a hypocrite. And it's, it's, it's like, I get it. It's human nature, but at the same time, don't be so offended when we try and ask, Hey, why are you saying that? Like you say that all this about the fans and then, you're putting your body first. Like, just be consistent. It's not like we're asking for anything ridiculous or difficult to do. If he was in the finals right now, he would not be saying any of this fucking shit. Oh, it's no. It, all it'd be, an excuse as yeah. to why LeBron didn't succeed. That's all it is, and everyone eats it up, and it's fucking bullshit because it's taking away from the accomplishments of the players on the Bucks, the players on the Suns, the front offices, all the people that did everything to get them to where they are today. It's bullshit, and we should not even be talking about LeBron, but he has controlled the media narrative for the better part of a decade now. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's it's just, I'm so over it. I'm so, I don't, you know what, LeBron? Fine, if you care that much, then don't fucking play. Yeah, yeah, no, it's insane. But um, let's, let's, let's do the predictions because we kind of got off track a little bit. 
Chris Paul and Monty Williams, a, a great coaching player duo, going up against one of the coaches who has really made a reputation for not making adjustments in <laughs> Mike Boonholzer and whatever Giannis's status is going to be. We know Chris Middleton's going to be there. I don't expect Bobby Portis to take 20 shots again. Like, and so I think it's going to be with this series. I don't, the Suns just are so hungry. They are so starving for a championship and the Bucks are too, but the Suns, it feels like they're doing it for CP3. It feels like they're doing it for, Jay Crowder. It feels like they're doing it for all these guys who deserve it. And they just have that right blend of culture and talent to really win this series. And I think if Giannis doesn't play game one, I don't see how Milwaukee bounces back and fights back from a one Oh deficit and tie a series up in Phoenix. Then they got to go probably win both games in Milwaukee, which is going to be a fun crowd, but what's the format. It's a uh, two, three, two. So it'll be two. Okay, and- so they have, they have two three in, in Milwaukee. Yeah, or no. Is it 2-2 two, two and then alternating? I could be – let me double check. Because I think it's 2-2. Two, two. They change it every year. I, it, it really is confusing. Like, I, I – But what – let me ask you, what do you prefer? What do you think is the better one, the 2-3-2 two, two, the two, two, or the 2-2-1-1-1? Two, 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 one, one, one? I think the 2-2-1-1 two, two, one, one is kind of one, – 1-1-1 one, one or whatever is kind of better because – I think having those three games go on the road is a disadvantage and it kind of defeats the purpose of a, having a higher seed. Right. So I think the alternating is fair because then, you know, each team's going to get two games at their home floor or the other team's going to have to travel for two games there. And then it's kind of like anyone's ball game and just mm-hmm. see how things fall where they may. So, um, yeah, so it's two. All right. So yeah, it's two, two, one and then alternating home floors after okay. that after game four so going hosting milwaukee phoenix is going to be rocking at milwaukee is going to be wild especially if they're down but phoenix has shown more capability like more probability of winning on the road in high pressure situations especially since they closed out the clippers on the road i think phoenix is just the team to beat they just look like a buzzsaw and it looks like cp3 just is the shark in the water smelling blood and he's ready to attack. And I, I think it's going to be a close series. So I'm going to go six games. I think Phoenix wins in six, but not having Giannis for at least one is going to be a huge blow. And I just don't know if Chris Middleton can continue this streak. I hope he does because it'll be more entertaining, but beyond Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, are you really going to get offense from Bobby Portis? Are you really going to get offense from Pat Connington? Like <laughs> I'm, it's just not going to be enough. And when this Suns team Especially is fully when Drew Holiday's kind of disappeared, Drew Holiday's been on and off. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be weird. And I think Phoenix just has the depth, the talent, and the hunger to really close out and win their first championship ever. Um, so I'm going to take uh, Suns in six. Uh, what's your what's your prediction? How do you think the series is going to go? I'd, I'd like to see one game, obviously, but you know, in, in the Giannis thing, I even if he comes back, I just think you know that the, whatever is up with his leg is not. Like, it's you not know, good. he's not gonna he's not gonna be Giannis. Yeah, and he's gonna start settling for jump shots when he can't get to the rim quick enough. Um, I think this Suns team is just like I think. The, I think that the Bucks did everything they could to make sure they could just get to the finals so they could possibly have Giannis. 
And, you know, like you said, like, there's no way Middleton can, you know, he might have one or two games a series where he does the same, like he does the superhero act and plays above his, his pay grade and what he is. But uh, I just think that the Suns are too deep. I think even if there wasn't player injuries, they have the best one to 10 there is in the, yeah. in the league. Um, they, uh, <laughs> sorry, Killian just had a grown man uh, <laughs> accident in his pants. Um, and uh, so um, I think Suns in five. Suns in five. Wow. I just I mean, think they're, yeah. I think this team is just, they're just on another level right now. They're locked in. They know, he knows exactly how his rotations go. Monty Williams just says, he knows exactly how to run the, run the team. He knows when to take guys in, when to take guys out. He knows when to give Chris Paul's rest, when not to. And then you just they, he knows his closing unit. Yeah. And he knows how to make adjustments when campaign's not feeling it or he's turning it over too much or Chris doesn't have it going and they need that campaign injection. He yeah. knows when to get Devin Booker is shocked when he when Devin and and Chris knows how to Chris Paul knows how to get everyone involved. And you know. It's been three series in a row now. You've watched Chris Paul and Devin Booker absolutely take over and annihilate teams with under eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Every game, like, you know, it's just like clockwork. They go in there and you you know Chris is getting at least five to six of those Mid-range fallaway jumpers that are just straight money in the money in the bank. And he's just Kevin's going to hit heart. a three. Yeah, it's it's they know how to shut a team down. And if they have a, a you know more than a five, I'd say more than a six-point lead with less than eight to go, that's usually game over for them. True. And so I think something five. I think hey, it's going to be a fun series. I think either way because both teams are clearly hungry. So let's keep it rolling. Uh, UEFA Euros, yes, we're talking about soccer. Don't normally talk about soccer. Uh, but the Euros semifinals are set. Italy will take on Spain in, on Tuesday. Uh, and Denmark continuing its magical run somehow, uh, playing England on Wednesday. Um, just for some history, Spain won the last match between when it, took, when, it, ugh, when it faced Italy in the 2017 World Cup qualifying. World Cup qualifiers, 3-0 shutout. And then England last beat Denmark in 2014. So it'll be really interesting to see how these two teams shake out, especially with people were expecting France to make a huge run. If you're not really familiar with soccer, just because of all the talent that France has. Um, England pulls off a huge upset. Well, I'll let Timmy handle that over why it's not. But um, people were not real. England played Belgium, which has been a real, real villain. Germany. Germany. Bleh. Fuck. Um, England played Italy Germany, played, which Italy has been, Belgium. yeah, that's where I got confused. Um, England beat, uh, Germany, which has been a real like thorn in the, in England's side for, for years and years. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how these teams really match up. Uh, but Tammy, I'll let you take over why, uh, the England Germany upset, or I'll just let you go off about England for a little bit. And <laughs> if it goes too long, I'll cut you off. So, uh, like you said, Italy, Spain, Tuesday. That should probably be the better of the two matchups. England, Denmark, Wednesday. 
Uh, the Danes are on this magical, you know, for, for those who not are not pretty and want to, you know, if you're asking for a team to get behind, Denmark is the fairy tale uh, team right now. Uh, Shades of 1992 when they won it all after they didn't qualify for year 1992. The only reason they got in is because of the breakup of the Yugoslav Republic when all of those nations decided to separate and mm. civil war broke out. Uh, also check out Once Brothers, an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary that'll cover, that covers the basketball side of it yeah. um, from Vladi Divox and Drazen Petrovic's uh, perspective. Uh, I digress though. Um, but Denmark had, didn't qualify for that tournament. They got in because uh, FIFA basically banned Yugoslavia from entering the team because of like the mass genocide that was taking place there. Yeah. And so Denmark took their place and goes on to win it. Uh, you know, historical run. This time around, what makes it such a fairy tale uh, story is that uh, like what, 17 minutes? I, I, it was under 20 minutes in the first half, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, something uh, like that. Their star player, their cat, not their captain, but their star player, um, one of the best players in Europe, uh, you know, a top 25 player in Europe. Basically the uh, catalyst. In the, in, the, in the world, you know, um, their talisman uh, died on the pitch, essentially, yeah. for all intents and purposes. Was brought back to life, but basically just collapsed. Uh, I will not endorse saying go watch the video because don't do it and it shouldn't be available. It should have been taken down off of any website that still is showing it. Uh, but it was a very scary moment. Live TV, Christian Erickson just collapsed, um, was resuscitated. And, you know, he's better now. He's out of the hospital in the whole nine yards of his career. He's most likely over at 29 years old. Um, but, you know, the important thing is alive. So Denmark is the fairy tale team there. Um, as far as getting here, uh, most people thought England would be here at this point, mm-hmm. um, especially the English media who overhypes them more than anything. Um, Spain was kind of a dark horse uh, to get to this spot, but, you know, they had a couple of tough games. Uh, they probably shouldn't be here. If Switzerland knew how to handle a fucking penalty shootout correctly. Uh, that said, they're here. Um, and uh, Italy is Outside of Denmark, probably just as much of a surprise. No one really knew what to t- take about this Italy team. It's uh, different from years past. Uh, usually, as I covered, uh, Italy plays a very uh, defensive, pragmatic style of football, especially yeah. at the international level. It is very, you know, based on counterattacking, kind of holding and, down the fort. And that's evident so, in um, – they gave they – gave, they didn't give up a goal in their first like three matches and they've right. only given up one apiece, I think in their last two. So really defensive focused. Um, I could be wrong. about Yeah. That tonight, yeah. They but... gave up one to Austria and one to, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yes. They're very, and they, they know how they're, they're always going to be tactically. They're defensively, their defensive tactics are always going to be on point. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Mancini is one of the better managers. Kind of got a lot of shit there in the mid aughts. Uh, that was undeserved, but I mean, the man has, I think, four or five Syria odd titles to his name as a coach, and uh, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe it's only three. I don't know. But, but he's way. got he's got at least three, 
Uh, he's got a Premier League title. As a player, he won two Serie A's. You know, so this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. They have a defensive back line that's got two stalwarts and um, Chiellini and um, – God, I'm, gonna, I'm blanking on his name now. But they're teammates at uh, Juventus. And But outside of that, they have a very young, exciting attacking front line um, led by the likes of Manuel Locatelli, uh, Federico Chiesa, um, you know, they got Jorginho in the midfield. They have Bonaventura. They have all these young guys with a little bit of uh, experience in Tiro Immobile and Lorenzo Insagi. And then they, you know, they just, it's a, a good mix of veteran and uh, young players. And they're doing it not like Italy normally does. They're doing it with flair, with a little bit of offensive flair, yeah. while still maintaining that defensive uh, shape that they hold. And they have one of the better goalies in, in the world in uh, Gianluigi Donnarama. So they're kind of – some people picked them because they had an easy group, but I don't think a lot of people expected them to get by Belgium, the number one-ranked uh, team in the world. I mm-hmm. did because I, before the Euros even started, said that Belgium, uh, for all their attacking talent they have, had have a decrepit back line. I think the average age of their back four was like 35. And against a team like Italy, who was just going to come at you with speed and pace with, that, with those guys I mentioned, uh, like Fr- Federico Chiesa is one of the fastest players in the world, and he is just going to burn you left and right. And uh, that's exactly what they did. They burned them for two half goals, and Sagi scored a, had a nice Galaza. Um, so, you know, it's not a lot of surprises outside of the Swiss beating France. But France never really looked like the dominant, dominant team they should have been. Uh, I think one of the overlying stories of this Euros was a lot of – was, was, you know, outside of the fact that um, – a lot of people thought it shouldn't be played because of the COVID still going, COVID still happening, you know, the pandemic still being an issue. Yeah, the, the vaccines not are, a lot much, of, are much yeah, slower compared to the States. Exactly. They're, they don't have, the rollout's been a lot slower. Um, and you miss some players from injuries and, you know, it was, it was a long season uh, similar to the NBA shit where players thought like they didn't have enough time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but, France had some – there were some interesting choices with the team selection that Didier Deschamps brought to the Euros. A lot of teams could say that. Germany, as I said to you, and I'll get to that in a second, definitely didn't even bring their best team. On top of they should have fired their manager and had a new one in there, which is what is now going to take place. Um, you know, there are some teams that are here, like Denmark's here because uh, – the Czech Republic upset the Netherlands because the Netherlands decided to stick with Frank De Boer as coach, and he's a fucking idiot. And then also because Matthias De Ligt, <laughs> who's one of their three best players, you know, I thought there it's a whole it's a whole Patrick whole yeah. dominant effect domino effect, right. I should say. And it was it's so, it you know we are where we are, but um, even Spain's team, I don't think they brought some of their best midfielders. I think they're missing. Uh, a creative force in somebody like Sergio Canales, uh, but because he plays for a team like Real Betis, he doesn't get the same kind of love that uh, 
someone would as they play for, you know, Barcelona or Real or mm-hmm. one of the, or Valencia or Atletico. Um, and then even the starting lineup, he doesn't even start somebody like Fabian Ruiz. So um, that said, as you hinted at, there's some people, the big Germany, England upset. It's not really an upset in my eyes because, as I said, Germany didn't bring their best team. Very questionable okay. lineups outside of their thrashing of Portugal in the second group game. They looked very beatable. Um, they showed some attacking verve in the first, like, 20 minutes of that England matchup, and then they were nothing. Thomas Mueller missed a golden opportunity that he normally doesn't miss. Yeah. Um, they were relying on players like Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, who didn't have great club seasons for Chelsea, and you could see that their confidence wasn't there. Um, leaving Serge Gnabry on the bench in a do-or-die game when he's your most lethal attacker outside of Mueller, I, I don't understand it. Um, and most people would have said that, like I just did, that Yogi Lowe should have been fired. This team hasn't looked the same since they won the World Cup in 2014. Um, you know, they crashed out of Euro 2016 sooner than they should have. They crashed out of World Cup 2018 in Russia in the group stages. It was abysmal. They, you know, uh, just it was frankly for the talent that's on that team was just utterly uh, – it was, it was disgraceful for what they did. And they ostracized uh, players from the national team like Mesut Ozil, who took the fall for that when it should have been low that did. And Ozil Wait, refuses so, to now play. So why shouldn't have Ozil? Because I'm basically well, illiterate. Well, so here's the reason. So and As condensed of, as possible, why yeah, shouldn't so, – <laughs> A lot of people used Ozil as a scapegoat, him and Ilkay Gundogan, because they are of Turkish and German descent. And in Turkey, they're still oh. – it's, it's viewed as if you're not in, – in Germany. Oh. And right before the tournament, too, they kind of did a dumb shit to move when they took a picture with the Turkish quote-unquote president. I'll call him a fucking dictator. You can call him a president if you want, but he's a scumbag, Erdogan. And um, he's the reason that someone like Ennis Cantor can't even fly into Canada because he's afraid of being detained. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of set off international. It was a kind of like an international, like outcry, so, like, why would you do this? And then Germany has the bad showing. And instead of blaming Yergi Lowe, they're like, well, it's Ozo's fault and it's Gundogan's fault and it's this person's fault and it's that person's yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah. And really it was the whole team's fault. But Ozo's like, I'm being the scapegoat here all because my dad was Turkish. Fuck this. I'm yeah, out. He wasn't, he isn't a hundred percent German. So they're like, Oh, it couldn't have possibly been him or it couldn't have possibly been our German manager and, or whatever. And yeah, exactly. And Ozil is for, you know, and you know, anybody that knows me, I'm an Arsenal fan and he was, he played for Arsenal for the past decade until this year. And uh, he was one of the better German attacking players for the last decade plus. So so let's let's all get back shit. on track to the Euros right. a little bit. So, so with all that Germany, being said, they bring their best team. They're gone. I don't buy the English hype. First of all, I don't even think they start the right defenders. Everyone loves Harry Maguire. I think he's one of the most overrated fucks in the world. Like he's not as good as everyone thinks he is. He looks like Dudley or whatever his name is, the 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 dumb cousin from the Harry Potter movies. 
look up. I think the dude's <laughs> name's like Harry Schelling or Schmelling or Melling or something <laughs> like that. That's what he fucking looks. He looks like looks like a Harry Potter like character. He, he, yeah, he constantly he has that look on his face like he constantly is smelling poop or something. He's like, oh, um, <laughs> he's just an idiot. Like I, I, I don't think he's good. He's, he's bound for one mistake. John Stones is probably just as mistake ridden is not worse than he is i don't understand why they don't start tyrone wings but i'm not the manager um harry king finally scored his first two goals in a euros and this is his third or fourth this is his second or third trip so it took him seven games to score a goal in euro competition which is bad for one of the most lethal strikers who's being touted for like a 120 million move to man city yeah um I don't think they're starting the right attacking players. And every game, they kind of needed a substitute to come on outside of this last one when, unfortunately, they were playing a far inferior team in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. um, which sucks. I thought the Ukraine was going to give them a better game, but unfortunately, they didn't. So, so, so who predictions? Let's get to let's get to the predictions. So most people were saying Italy, England, and. Unfortunately, I think that's what it's going to be. I would love to see Denmark continue this run, though. I would love to see them. I would love to see them piece it together mm. and and beat England in the most English way possible in Wembley in a penalty shootout where some Harry King comes up and fucks a penalty kick in the last minute or something, and they and that's how they lose to Denmark. I would love it to happen that way. Most likely, it's not going to. I, however, am picking Italy to win it all. I so just like Italy, team. Italy, England, Italy, and England meet in the final, and then you're going to pick Italy to be the champion. I think, I think I let, I've liked Italy the most. Like I said, they have the most complete back line. Uh, they are, they did their, uh, their left back. Um, and I, I'm going to butcher, I, I can't even think of his name now. They're, they're going to miss him. He got injured. Uh, is that Bonaventure? Maybe that was Bonaventure. I can't remember his name. He got injured in the last game, so that's going to hurt a little bit. But they have good cover to bring in. They just have the right team. Uh, Mancini has them coached up well. They have one of the best goalies in the world. They have one of the best center back pairings at this. They're probably the best center back pairing at this tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think they're they you know they're attacking front three. They they have they have six they have six players for three spots in their front line, and they he has them playing in in a, a different setup. So he's either going to go with a young attacking lineup with Bernadeschi, Chiesa, and um, Insigne, Insigne, or he's going to go with the elder one and use a mobile. And either way, he'll bring on the other ones at halftime or in the 60th minute, it's and it just gives you pace. To handle. It's for both of them. I, I First of all, Spain shouldn't be here. Spain should have lost – Two games let's, ago. Let's stick to the predictions because I got to piss after we're done recording. But but the, they so they're gonna. I think they'll easily handle Spain. Yeah, and I think it'll be a good game in the finals. I I, I do. I don't think England sucks. I think they're a good team. They just they get overhyped. Yeah, they're just but pumped I think, up. You're right. I think Italy, and I don't think you'll you would ever hear me say this. Brooks is probably having a field day knowing I'm saying this, but go <laughs> Italy. But you know, yeah. go. Let's you know. go. So. Uh, I think they're. I think Italy takes it all. Thank God I'm Italian. I can hop on this bandwagon all day. Um, my predictions: I think Italy defensively, 
have, has been astonishing. Um, and I think they're going to keep that going. Their, their defense is just shutting offenses down. Uh, I agree that the England uh, Germany upset isn't that big, mainly just on this point. Like we've seen the premier league with the premier league, the England talent pool is uh, getting better and better exponentially. So I think it's not as the talent gap isn't nearly as wide as in years past. Uh, but with that, with that being said uh, between just, just what I think Italy is just so dominant. And even if England wins, I still think that Italy is just going to shut down offenses. And when you have a guy like Harry Kane, who, who is finally scoring in the Euros, like you mentioned, this, this is his third or fourth trip in the Euros. Now that we're seeing him score, I, I think Italy is going to respond to that challenge and just shut, shut him down shut the English offense down. Even if Raheem Sterling scores once in this matchup against Denmark, excuse me. Um, so I think I'm going to agree there. I mean, it's been I'm kind, I'm kind of doubling back of. just because Denmark <laughs> is on such a magical run that it feels like they have an us against the world mentality. Fuck it. I'll take, I'll take Denmark. I'll take Denmark just to I'm make fine it fine with that too. I, if Denmark wins, it'd be awesome. I think it'd yeah. be great. I think, it would, you know, it would just, it's something we need after the last year and a half we've had. Yeah. Something so, like that, but I'll, I would I'll not take, mind Italy winning either. So I'll take Italy and Denmark. I think Italy's going to win uh, the whole thing. So let's go Italy. Uh, uh, and- I will say this though, for disclaimer, watching that game, watching the Italy Spain game tomorrow, don't turn it off. If you're getting mad because there's people flopping this Spanish team takes more dives than a fucking ballerina at the opera. So just, just a disclaimer tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of throwing uh, around on the ground, holding their, it's so just yeah, yeah. get through that. And, and just enjoy the, Den- the the final it'll be the it'll be good football it'll be yeah. great football to watch tune in that's all i'm gonna say all right well thank you all for tuning in be sure to follow us on all of our social media channels i really have to go piss so i'm wrapping this up social media channels youtube channel whole nine yards check out the website i mentioned it in the beginning of the episode so rewind it subscribe follow us on all of our platforms whatever do the whole thing all right thank you all for tuning in and i'll catch you in the next episode